Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'm happy to have you here with me today. Uh, the other person that's going to be with me today is Scott Shotton. He's been on the show before, so everyone should be pretty familiar with him from here or maybe some training out in the industry. Um, always enjoy when uh, Scott comes on the show. I think we have some great discussions, uh, this one being no exception. What we're going to discuss today is what a lot of people refer to as the technician shortage. And, and, you know, this has kind of been talked to death, I think, in some ways, but uh, we're going to expand on it a little bit uh, because, you know, we're not so convinced that you can sum it up with just tech shortage. Uh, there's more to it than that. And there's more that we can be doing and shops can be doing uh, to turn this thing around and keep more people in the industry. Maybe that's a hint to what we're going to discuss. So I really enjoyed this talk. Hopefully you will as well. With that being said, oh, let's jump right in. Well, how's my uh, favorite independent field service engineer doing today is that did i get that right i think that's what we said last time yeah it's it's busy good stressful but good we're good and you yeah <laughs> yes it can definitely be stressful some days it seems some days everything lines up the planets align i just hit buttons and i'm done and then other days i'm sweating and dirty and underneath a car and nothing's going right. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, I think last week, this, this uh, podcast is slightly postponed because I had some issues last week. Um, um, my transit transit connect, what year is your transit connect by the way? Uh, 2010. Okay. Mine's a 13 and on the way home from about an hour long drive, uh, most of the way home, the throttle body took a crap <laughs> instantly, instantly. It started driving in like a, a limp in mode and, uh, I couldn't drive more than two miles an hour and I had to get it towed home. I'm like, oh, right, working on cars and I had to get the damn thing towed home. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then I have a Silverado, which is not my work vehicle, not my yeah. mobile vehicle. Um, but I had to move, uh, some tools for the next day's work into that vehicle so I could get to work before I went and fixed my car. And then I backed the transit out of the driveway and the brake pedal went to the floor. I blew the freaking left rear wheel cylinder, just freaking blew out of it. So <laughs> now, now I have a car that doesn't go and a car that has no brakes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the other day I spent in the driveway, uh, you know, fixing my own truck like dog on it that, that's like the biggest uh, cliche ever is the mechanics vehicle is the most neglected but it's it's true so much of the time well, well, <laughs> just ask enough. my wife <laughs> she'll tell the, the, you yep yep the shoemaker's kids have no shoes my wife <laughs> my wife always asked me do you know a good mechanic you know? <laughs> you know 
things like that. But I mean, this car wasn't neglected. It just just so happened that it 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 broke all <laughs> one. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that that's the thing you can't you can't predict that electronic. <laughs> component failure nowadays yeah. there's, there's, or, no, there's or no a magic wheel wand. cylinder a wheel cylinder totally and when i took the brake drum off it, it totally blew the piston out holy cow <laughs> yeah so it had, it had absolutely no brakes <laughs> <laughs> anyway it's fixed now and on the road again <laughs> nice nice well how's uh how's everything else going enjoying your summer uh, as much as I can, as much as I can, doing some family things, doing plenty of work. And you? That's good. Uh, heat finally broke around here. I don't know if it's the same where you're at, but uh, nice to get a little break from that. It's been just, just baking up here. I mean, I'm sure down in like Florida and Arizona, it's even worse, but you know, a matter of perspective, yeah. boy, getting into these cars. It's like 120 once you open up that car. It's been sitting out in a lot all day. And you're just immediately drenched in sweat <laughs> when you're especially, sitting in the especially thing. Especially if it's a black leather interior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm enjoying a little bit of the cooler weather for sure. But otherwise, everything's going pretty good. Yeah. So what do you guys know about 70 something? Yeah. Today was a nice like 75. It's beautiful up here. Yeah, we're, we're right about the same. We're not too far away. We're probably pretty much the same weather. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, well, you contacted me and wanted to talk about uh, new technicians entering the field. And I don't know exactly where we want to start with it. Um, well, but... what, I, what I was thinking was the technician quote unquote shortage. Okay. Okay. Okay, because there's been many discussions in other podcasts and, and, and just, you know, I can't find a tech, I can't find a tech, I can't find a tech. That, that sure. kind of thing. But I know that both of us, that you still are, and I was a, a college instructor. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, my school was small and we were cranking out uh, 24-ish students a year with, uh, with degrees and people are going like we can't we can't find a tech. I'm like they're here, mm-hmm. they're, they're they're coming the young ones. And I think part of the fault there's two faults. One is um, partially what you may have addressed a little bit in your last uh, Matt and Matt podcast two podcasts ago. Um, but part of it's the shop owner's fault as well because there are technicians out there. And then we turn some of these young technicians away uh, just because they get into a shop and and they're not treated right. They're not mentored correctly. They're not, you know, they don't get the experience. So that was, that was kind of my thought. I'm not going to say there is not a technician shortage because there probably is. Right. But, but there's a lot of people not, or a lot of shops or, managers or however you want to look at it that aren't willing to you know i want that a tech you know yeah yeah okay there might be an a tech shortage but if there's an a tech shortage grow your own and and, and you and i were are feeding them 
I think that's that's right on the money. There is there there definitely is a tech shortage, you know, overall. If you look at the the broad picture, but the attitude to correct that is not right in a lot of cases. And actually, it's funny because I was talking to a shop manager today and, and had this almost exact discussion that she asked me, "Do you know any technicians that are, are looking right now?" And I'm like. No. And, and I told her, I was like, every other place that I go to, all these shops are asking the same question. So you're, you're in a really tough competition to get what she was looking for an experienced technician, because I was like, well, I can, you know, recommend some students to you. No, we're looking for somebody who could come in here and just hit the ground running. But I was like, you're going to be basically poaching techs from other shops. That's how you're going to get what you're looking for right now. And like you said, you got to grow your own. You got to invest the time and the energy and whatever else money to make that happen, to start them young. Uh, That's that's the only way it's going to work if you want to be successful in the long run. And if we want to correct the tech shortage that's out there. Right, right. And, And I'm sure you see it as a mobile guy. Um, you know, how, how often do you get that question? You know, Hey, you know, anybody, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, every day I would say <laughs> I, get, I get it all the time. Yep. Actually, I called you what, two days ago. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because I was talking to a shop and I'm like, do you know anybody? And I said, uh, ironically, I'm doing a podcast on this very time <laughs> Thursday <laughs> night. You know, it ha- it happens all the time, you know, and, I, I I don't know what the hundred percent answer is because most of the the I'm not gonna hate the categorization, but the ATEX, what's the ATEX, they probably are in a comfortable place. Mm-hmm. Right? Not all, but you know, probably, you know, they might have some benefits, they're making good pay, they're doing whatever, and they're at a shop they're comfortable with, and the culture is good and all that kind of stuff. So they're not looking to move and, and it's not my place or your place to go and say, all right, I'm going to go talk to Jimmy at this shop and say, Hey, this other shop's looking for somebody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't want to be that guy. That's getting in the exactly, middle of that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Right now. Now it would be different if Jimmy came and said, you know what, this job sucks. And do you know anyone looking? Mm-hmm. But I don't get that question that often. Yeah, I, I get the the shop owners or the service writers or the managers or whoever at the shop going. Do you know anyone that's yep. looking for a job? Not the other way around. Yeah, and I I have to say I'll keep my ears open. You know, yeah. off the top of my head, no, but I'll keep my ears open. And I don't know how many shops have asked me that question, and you know I've moved on. Well, yeah, it's it's very rare to have the A tech looking for something else because even in a shop with bad culture, right? And and I'm sure we've been to plenty of those, they still treat their top guy really good. Maybe they treat everybody else like crap and they run their shop like crap, but they treat their top guy very, very well because right now they know they still need that guy. They 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 better keep him happy uh to keep things running smooth. So yeah, you don't see a lot of those particular uh, technicians out searching for jobs. Um, yeah. and, and if you do, then they're 
they find their place quick. Um, so I, w- I was actually thinking about this before we continue with that. I'm curious to know what would you define as an A tech, and I realize this is going to be based off of it's going to change depending on the person answering the question. But I, I'm curious to know what's your definition of an A tech in the auto industry. Okay, I hate that term. I, <laughs> well, I right, that. and I, it's not I, my favorite I, I, either. I, I, I'll, but... I'll, I'll do my best to define it. Okay, um, I, first of all, I think you you can have an A tech. Let's pretend you had a shop that did just. Uh, steering, suspension, brakes, tires, and, and so forth. You could have an ATEC that rocks out all the alignment stuff, knows their alignment angles, um, can do tires, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and in that in that category, they, they might be an ATEC, but you give them a diag problem like you and I deal with on a regular basis, they might be a C-TEC, right? Yeah. So that, that's one of the reasons I hate that moniker is that the right word um yeah you know cl- classifying them that way um me um i do all the diet stuff and and my my career over the past i don't know 20 something years um i think i've only done three or four alignments in my career because the shop we had that i worked at most of the time didn't have an alignment machine so we mm-hmm. subbed out our alignments so you want to ask me alignment questions? All of it's theory. It's not experience, right? So if you if you said, hey, we're going to do this alignment, I am not your A-tech for alignment. Okay. Sure. Um, but as, you know, steering angle sensor? <laughs> okay, we're good, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, so I, I kind of I hate that. Um, and as far as bringing, bringing people in, you gotta expect everyone's gonna be a, a C, I guess, when they start, mm-hmm. or or a GS or whatever, whatever you want to call them, right? And then you gotta mentor them and and hold their hand, you know, and 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 move forward. So I do not like the ABC Tech um, classification. Did I answer your question, by the way, or did I vent too I, much? I, I think so. I, th- I think what you're saying is it depends on the shop and what's requested of the employee that would measure them as a, a B or C tech. What are you doing for your job? What is looked at as, you know, success at the end of okay. the day and how well do you do that? Right. Um, I, I think that's fair. Um, the way I, I was, I was thinking about it. I was like, what, what would I consider an A tech? And I was thinking, okay, so, and I don't like the the leveling. Like I remember looking at jobs and it would say it's an A job or a C job or whatever. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to tackle anything. Just, just give yep. me the job. I don't care what the level just is. But um, so for me, somebody who's top their game in this field, and this could apply to the guy doing the alignments or the, di- the guy doing the diagnostic, whatever's requested or, or expected of them. But they should have some, they need experience, right? They have to have done this and been through it for a little while. There's no other way to be that top guy. You got to have some experience, right? So you need that. You got to be productive at the end of the day, right? We're fixing cars, trying to make money. There's got to be some productivity. You don't need to be the, you know, the fastest guy around, but you should be productive. You should have a good attitude. You should be willing to help others. 
and willing to improve yourself. Right. I think if you can bring all those things to the table, um, you're, you're going to be a very successful technician anywhere you go, no matter what your end goal is, if you can hit all those markers, um, that, that was my thought on it though. And then that could kind of apply right to the guy that's doing ball joints and just a rock star. And that's what's expected. The guy doing diagnostics alignments. Don't ask me to weld anything. I will be a D tech because I never did that <laughs> while right. I was in the shop. So I, I totally understand what you were, you were going. You, with you have to know your strong points and your weak points. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and right. hopefully your employer does as well, but you said it, uh, um, willing to help people. Yeah. That's how, I mean, I, I've explained to students for uh, over a decade that, you know, you're going to get, you need education and you need experience. You're going to get the education here at the college or with the classes that you go to or whatever the case. And we can do some hands-on stuff in the shop, but you're limited. Your, stru- your structure is time and uh, ASC education foundation requirements to be certified and so forth. You only have so much time that you can spend in the shop doing a break job or a ball joint or, you know, or, or diagnostic stuff, whatever the case, you can feed them as much as you can. Right. But, they, but they still need experience. And I agree because I had the same situation was I went, I went to school and uh, graduated with an associate's degree from uh, college DuPage, which was a two year, two year degree in automotive service technology, I think is what they called it. Um, and but but I still, I mean, maybe I thought I was the crap when I when I got out of out of school, but I really wasn't because I didn't have the experience. And then I worked, and I got lucky, and ended up working with a a shop that uh, did mentor me. And you know, I, I got the experience, and I got to swing the hammer. You know, I got to bust my knuckles. I got to you know turn the wrench, or when I had a question. I could go and ask somebody and they didn't give me the crap about, oh, no, sorry, I'm busy because I'm flat rate and I'm not going to spend time, you know, dealing with you. You know, right. they, they stopped and, you know, that's a problem with flat rate, too, but a different, completely different story. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah and I, I, I learned that way. So so that was, you know, education at a college level and and hands on. So really, I don't think I was a good tech. I probably wasn't a good tech, but I don't think I was a good tech until I've been doing it for five-ish years. You know, well, there's in, very in few people, very few people that come right out of tech school and uh, you know just yeah, hit it out of the park right away. Right? That's just it's not it's not realistic. And one of the things that we were talking about before this was that a lot of shop managers, owners, service writers, whatever it might be, expect that right off the bat. And it is in no way realistic. You can't just walk on this job or probably any job. I don't know a whole lot of other fields, but I know this one and you can't do it, right? You, you gotta, we can, we could do as instructors, the best job ever of explaining this stuff, right? We could give it every single detail and have them memorize it. And they know it like the back of their hand and they get out in the real world and there's pitfalls that they, they just won't see coming, right? That we can't 
prepare them for because it's the real real world and you right. have to live it and experience it. <laughs> it's, it's the only way to get to to the next level, I guess. You you use the word expect. <laughs> and and that I think is part of part of the issue. There there is one particular shop that that asked me um do you know anybody? And I said, at the time I was still teaching at the college. And I said, uh, yes, I have a couple of good students. Now we'll talk about this in a minute. I probably shouldn't have done it this way, but uh, I got a couple of good students I could send your way. And I said, but they are going to be green, right? They're, they're still in school. You're going to have to work around their schedule so that they can finish school. And you're going to have to work with them to get them some experience. If you're okay with somebody like that, right? And and they have potential. I can tell because you can probably tell some of your students or you, you look at them and go, oh yeah, okay. And other ones you go, this guy or girl is, is going somewhere in the industry, yep. right? So so I can I can send it to them. And then with the, the, the one one student that actually got hired by them. I don't know if he got hired or he got shot down during the interview. I forget the, the whole story, but uh, they said, oh, I, I wasn't experienced enough. I'm like, well, wait, the, the shop told me you were okay with green. You were okay with no experience. You're going to have to work with them. I sent you someone with potential and you shot him down. And I think it was a him um, mm -hmm. shot him down. And so why are you even asking me? Right. Right. I, I, you, you told me you'd take someone that's green. Oh, now you don't have enough experience. Well, of course, I told you that up front. So don't, <laughs> that's what bugs me. It's the shops that like, yeah, we're, we're good with that. Set them for the interview. And then they shoot them down. Do, do, yeah. Any, any of your students, uh, first year, second year, whatever, if they go to an interview, that you sent them to and they get shot down because they don't have enough experience. What does that do for their ego? What does that do for? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're like crazy. Uh, for sure. It's, it, I, I think I know why a lot of them do it is because they've got broken cars right now and they've got numbers to hit this month and they're mm -hmm. looking to get that person in there that can just, you know, come in and knock out the work, but it's, it's not realistic. And I kind of liken it to, uh, sports, right. I don't know if you're a sports fan of anything. I'm big into hockey. Right. And they got it figured out, right. They I have knew a draft. hockey was coming up there. Yep. Yeah. Right. I'm wearing a shirt, so. <laughs> It, oh, I'm not wearing my I'm not wearing my Golden Knights shirt, but oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, there that was a gift. By, that was a gift. By the way, I'm more of a Blackhawks fan, but anyway, go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. okay oh, well, now we're gonna now we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but so so they draft these 18 year old kids right for their potential, right? They're not going to come in and score 50 goals in the first season, but they know the potential and they're going to give them the time in the minor leagues and they're going to build them up and, and they're going to put the right players around them. So in five to seven years, they've got a superstar, right? And honestly, yeah. it's the same effing thing in the auto industry. You got to put the time in and risk that maybe they sign with another team, right? But you should have a good enough shop and culture that they want to sign with you and stay on your team and be the superstar. That's the only way you're going to get them because 
you can't you can't win the cup just through free agency, right? You can't get it with just veteran players. You need some veterans on the team, right? That experience and everything, but you got to have those young kids and build them up. You got to grow them young, and that's it's that's the only great, way to really be successful. That's a great analogy. I never thought about it that way, but that's a great analogy because I mean, and I'm not a huge sports fan, but think about Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, some of the some of the players that came up underneath him because he pushed him. Right. He gave, he gave him stuff. And the same thing with, you know, uh, other other sports teams or whatever the case, you know, you put them with the right people that are willing to share. Yep, it brings everyone up. And, and I think what what is this? What is the cliche? All ships rise. Um, yes. Something along those lines. So same thing in a shop environment. If if you put someone and I, I don't want to go back to the, um, you know, uh, uh, book time <laughs> flat rate thing. But if you work in a shop where everyone's on flat rate, you're not going to have those team players. In, in most cases, you're not going right. to those team players. They're going to be leave me alone because my dinner <laughs> is based on how much work I get done. And the most, you know, the more time I spend with you, the less money I make, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. So I think that's part of the flat rate thing that's broken. Um, For sure. Right. Uh, But getting in somewhere in a team, team environment where you have either a, a, a shop foreman or a lead tech or something like that is willing to help the, the younger guy or girl, to uh, learn and answer questions, you know, and, and you know, here, do it this way, you know, because, uh, you know, break jobs are a great example. There's only so many things you can talk about in class and, and really do in the shop. But what happens when one caliper slide sticks? You know, how do you, how do you simulate that in class? You know, yeah. what happens when a caliper piston sticks, but the slides don't? you know, uh, what do the pads do? How do they wear? How do they, you know, and you can only simulate that so many different ways. They're, they're only going to learn that stuff um, after doing it for a couple of years. They're going to they're gonna yep. have to run into it and they're going to have to do it. Yeah. And you can't really get into that like flow state as a technician until you've lived that for so many years to, to really hit that productivity and foresee those pitfalls before you get there, you can, again, like I said, read all the books, get all the information. You're never going to know, you know, that, that one rusted bolt that that's going to break right until you've broken it once. And now next time you're cautious and you're like, well, hang on a second. Let's, let's think about this for just a sec. So it doesn't ruin my day. That's not in a textbook. Right. Um, And yeah. So, so the shop, whoever is managing or running the shop or hiring, uh, they, they need to understand that when they're getting these people in is that you're not going to get that person right off the bat and you got to give them a chance. And I've witnessed that myself. I'm sure you have is where somebody would get hired on a shop. They got some mechanical aptitude. They got a good, you know, personal attitude and they're just not productive and they're fighting rusty bolts and they're, getting hung up on stuff and they get run out of the shop one way or another, whether they're let go or they're just not making any money and maybe they move out of the industry and find something else to do. 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's got to stop happening <laughs> if, if we want to correct I mean, the tech shortage. You got, you got to be, okay, let's use the rusty bolt example. And, and, and again, I never learned how to deal with a rusty bolt in school. Okay. I learned how to deal with it once I was working on cars. Yep. And it, if, if your boss, shop manager, wh- whoever it is, the person that's, that's above you is not willing to help, like, oh, you busted the bolt. Okay, now you got to figure out how to extract it and drill it and tap it and do, you know, all, what, whatever is required. Whereas if you had a good environment where, like, like I got lucky enough to do, Okay, um, where the boss would come out and go, hey, it's it, it, it's rusty. Before you bust it, come and find me, and I would mm-hmm. come and find him. Go, okay, what do I do next? And and I learned how to use a torch, and I learned how to use a welder, and I learned how to you know do do the things that I had to do to get that job done. Now, some of the people that are down south listening to this podcast <laughs> have no clue what a blue wrench is. Yeah. <laughs> But but we deal with it. If I'm taking exhaust bolts off, there's probably an oxycetylene torch in in that equation, you know. Just to, and you know, it's amazing how easy some of that stuff comes off once it's glowing orange. <laughs> right? The, the blue wrench always wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not talking about cutting anything off. I'm just talking <laughs> about heating it up and making it, making it work, right? But but those are things that you can't, you know. What what do you do? A lab in class. That says, all right, we're gonna we're, we're gonna do take rusty bolts off. So everyone come out here, let's heat up these nuts, you know, on this Y pipe or whatever the case, heat them up till they're glowing, don't melt them, heat them till they're glowing, put the put the you know, and take no, that's that's something you learn on the job. You know, you can talk about it all you want. Yeah, but you, you learn that on the job, which is again why that green technician that's coming in that might fill uh, your shop slot, the quote unquote technician shortage, it's they're not going to be perfect. But there are people out there that can do that. You just have to spend time with them. I think that was kind of the whole point of why I brought up this topic. Yeah, as you got to be patient and understanding uh, with yeah. these people. I think if you, if you've lived it, you've been that tech, I think it's easier to understand maybe you're more patient, but I guess it really does depend on the person. Cause I've witnessed it with shop owners who I know have done it. They were techs and it's almost like they forgot what it's like to be a beginner and how intimidating this whole thing is if you're just <laughs> starting and how much crazy amount of information that you need to know. And even if you know it all, something's going to, you know, come at you sideways anyways. Um, it, it is, it is tough to remember what it's like to start out and cause all of it's second nature to you. Um, you're an, you're an instructor. Do you remember what it was like to start out? I'll, I'll tell you this. When I started teaching as about four years ago, it it was really good to jog my memory because I, at first I didn't, and I really wanted to grab the tools out of the student's hand and just show them how to do it here. Just, yep, just yep. do this. It's, but it's yep. about being patient and letting them struggle and letting them work through it. And, and the more that I watch these students every year start out from scratch, it, it brings back 
you know, the, the memories of what it was like for myself when I started, um, what do you think there for, for learning? Is it better to let somebody struggle through a process and maybe give them some pointers, but really just let them just throw them in the deep end and see if they can swim or do you give somebody a helping hand? Uh, what's, what's the right way to get somebody through a task the first time? I think a combination. Okay. So it depends on what, what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things, okay. We're, especially if we're talking like safety and stuff, don't let them struggle. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're, you're two Matt and Matt podcasts, uh, you know, from two podcasts ago. Um, when you're talking about, uh, I think it was uh, Scundridge that was talking about uh, taking 15 minutes to set a hoist. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I do the same thing. And I had put together a class that had a lot of basic stuff going on because um, we replaced one class. And yeah, I would show them the same thing shake the car, double check the, uh, the hoist points, the, you know, pinch welds wherever you're lifting the car you know and then and then finally raise it up before you even walk underneath the damn thing uh you know so i mean there's there's that stuff you got you have to show them because if you if you let someone wing it eh, here's a hoist lift the car <laughs> you're asking for trouble right um other things um you can throw them i don't want to say under the bus but you know what i mean you know, um, go and, uh, oh, the check engine lights on, go plug in the scan tool, see what you can see. Let mm-hmm. them go. Right. And then they, they get lost. You wait a little bit, you know, especially if, if you have time, if, I mean, if, if you had cars, your shop has cars coming out the wazoo and, you know, time is critical You get and it changes things a little bit, but you still got to let that person struggle a little bit. Okay, let let him go. I think uh, uh, Fonslo said it uh, great the the two uh, podcasts ago, where he was talking about uh, the data's on the scan tool when he had a technician looking at a vehicle, and he said the answer's right there. And he used the term "I don't want to be a douche," right? But mm-hmm. it's right there, and he walked away and let him go. There, there's nothing wrong with that either because it makes him think and. The thinking aspect is what you and I have to do every day and everyone else has to do every day. You got to think your way through an issue. So mm, jump in the fire with both feet. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and eventually, you know, uh, Matt's going to come over or I'm going to come over or you're going to come over or I go, all right, cool. Where are we at? All right. Here, here's what I'm looking at. Here's why it works this way. And a why is the big answer. Right. Yeah. The, the big piece. Why did it do this? Why did it behave that way? And I try and do that with the with the with the students I'm teaching, whether it was at college or around the country in the industry or talking in podcasts like this. Why? Why? That's what you want to know, because that's what's going to end up fixing the car for you. So I hope I answer that question is throwing the throwing the technician in, even if they're green. You know, and, and again, I use diagnostic with a scan tool, but yeah, you know, throw them in with a scan tool and and let them go for a little while. Let them go because they might come out with the right answer, or they might come out with some interesting theories sure. <laughs> that you can discuss, and it becomes a learning learning tool for everybody. And and at that point, at that point, is not about book time. 
Right. It's about it's about making that technician or future technician or current technician that's green or however you want to word it, making them better because they're they're learning uh, through doing. And, and that's why, you know, I, I don't want to bash on college because you still need all the theory. And Grant, you're a college teacher and I was a college teacher. You know, you still need all that stuff, um, but you still need the experience as well. So that throwing them under the bus is, in my opinion, go for it. <laughs> right. That's how they're yeah. going to learn. I think the learning environment is the best place for that, too. I, I mean, you can learn a lot getting thrown in the deep end at a job. I know my first technician job, I got the senior technician ended up quitting like six months after I got hired. And then the guy running the shop's like, well, you're the senior technician now. I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I was fresh out of school. You, you must've been a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I was like, okay. And it, you know, it was, it was very, very difficult uh, to to play that role, but I learned a lot, right? In the long run, as as difficult as it was, it, it was it was really good for me. But the learning environment, like school or maybe an apprenticeship at at a job, is the right place to let somebody flounder for a little bit with the job, struggle to get that CV axle out of there, or struggle to figure out what the scan tool is trying to tell you, and let them work through it and maybe nudge them here and there. And that's, that's an art form to figure out, like, what's, what's the right clue to give them. That's not, you know, hand holding, but it's, it's helping enough to let them work through a problem. Um, and I, I don't have that perfected by any means, but I'm still trying to work on it. Um, but it's the right, the learning environment's the right place to do that. I think, um, and what I was getting at too is the apprenticeship, I think needs to be utilized more in our field too. That would be huge to getting more people on board and get them to the level of what all the yeah. shop owners want. And keeping them, <laughs> keeping them in the industry. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, um, I mean, if I, if we cranked out, let's say 24 students last year, you know, a couple are probably still in the industry, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the majority are doing something else. It's like, they, they don't stay. So uh, in, in my case, I got really lucky. And, and I, I wish that every technician coming out of school had the opportunity that I had. And uh, um, I, I initially started in the army. So I was in the army for a couple of years and, uh, learned the basics of mechanics there and I got married and had a kid. And, you know, so then I ended up going back to school once I was a civilian uh, for auto mechanics. Right. And that's how I ended up. I worked at a Ford dealer and the Ford dealer. um, I was the new guy. I was green. Um, There was only maybe one guy that would probably help me out uh, to quote unquote mentor me. I worked there for about eight months. Um, things weren't going the right direction. Um, wasn't making enough money, you know. You know, and when you're that young, you know, twenty-two years old, whatever, you, you always think you should make more money than you really make, yeah. right? You know. Right. Um, so th- then I ended up going to another independent shop, 
And it was kind of a goofy situation because at the time I was still going to college. I was going to college at night and working during the day. And uh, most of my evening instructors were full-time working at shops during the day and then taught at night, which is how I started teaching. Actually, I would work full-time and teach at night, but whatever the case, um, one of my teachers um, uh, was my, actually my electrical teacher starting in charging systems, ignition systems, all that kind of stuff. Uh, his name was Bob. And um, we, uh, you know, got, got to know each other. And I was a decent student. Okay. Uh, I was uh, probably a good student. Okay. But I don't want to, you know, I wasn't maybe the top in the class. Doesn't matter. I was a decent student. Doesn't matter. But okay. I kind of caught his eye. So uh, I would stop by his shop because he was a shop owner and I would talk to him once in a while. And when things started going south at the Ford dealer, I'm like, so are you hiring? And he was like, well, I don't know. And blah, blah, blah. Well, I found another place that was hiring an independent shop and uh, they promised a whole, in their ad promised a whole bunch of money and all this kind of stuff. And I talked to Bob about it and I said, Hey, here's this place called XYZ auto. Doesn't matter. I'll leave the name out. They're out of business now. So it doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, and they're like, well, why don't you go there? Do it. I'm like, okay. I was kind of hoping you'd say, Hey, come for an interview. <laughs> right? But they said, they said, go there and do it. And I worked there for three months and it was one of the most, it was one of the worst places I ever worked. And, uh, um, and the, the Matco guy shows up one day and he goes, I'm not supposed to do this, but the people over at Bob's shop, uh, they want to talk to you. <laughs> All right. So I went over there, we did a couple interviews and I started working, working there. And I honestly believe that they, they, when I say they, it's because there were a couple owners. Uh, they, they told me go to XYZ shop and see the dark side. Okay. <laughs> but before you come and work for us and sure. it was, it was not, it was complete night and day. But once I got into that shop, I worked there for 14 years, 15 years, um, and they, they were always, again, they were college instructors at night and to, you know, work during the day. If I had questions, if I had issues, don't get me wrong. Everyone's a pain in the ass because you're human, <laughs> right? Yeah. So there were, there were conflicts. No, nothing's perfect, but you know, I, I got the experience part. So I got the education part from college, but I got lucky to find a shop that where, you know, someone would hold my hand if I needed it. Right. Or go, all right, cool. How, how do, uh, you know, uh, we got this, you know, 92 Ford Aerostar with a bent sway bar link <laughs> bracket because they hit a curve and we got to weld this back together. Okay. So how's the welder work? Okay. Here's how the welder works. Let's, you know, have a mini class on welding. You know, yep. it, this is a 92 Aerostar. So if you screw it up, I don't care. Just do it. <laughs> like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know, so, so I got lucky that way. And I, and I wish that, I wish that all my students, all your students uh, had that opportunity uh, to get into a shop and, and have someone that would, you know, mentor or hold their hand when they need it or let them struggle when it was appropriate. Uh, yeah. You know, but, but a lot of, a lot of shops, um, 
managers, what owners, uh, what, however you want to, whatever their job title is. And I don't know that they're prepared for that. They want someone to come in the door and rock out 80 hours a week. Yep. And you're, you're probably not going to find that. No, know? no, but, they're, they're obviously not. And that, that's going back to, like I said, they're looking for that because that's the work that they need to get done to hit their numbers for right. whatever reason, whether, you know, they own the shop or they're getting a commission or what, whatever it is. Um, so there's, there's a, obviously a, you, you can't get around that, right? We're trying to make money in this field and that, but you gotta, you gotta look at the bigger picture. So, all right. So here, here's a question that I have. I I feel like most technicians that are listening to our discussion probably agree with most of the things we have to say, if not all. How do we, as maybe just me and you, but anybody listening, a technician, how do we get this message out or how do we get things to change in the automotive world? What does somebody do to make a difference? Well, number one would be this podcast, right? Yeah, to share it with people. Right, right. Yeah. Number number two is is, uh, and I, I don't want to say it's flat rate is what's causing it, but um, if you're a technician in a shop, somebody helped you, hopefully, right? Mm-hmm. In my in my case, somebody maybe that's one of the reasons I'm a teacher, right? Some people helped me out when I was green. And, and now I return the favor and help other people out. And the, I had a, a hybrid pay system. So I had a salary and then I had bonus time. So if I stopped to help somebody, it was probably costing me a couple of bucks, but I, I, I still helped them. Mm-hmm. Right? You need help doing that timing chain, lining this up, you know, uh, you know, whatever the case, and take, take the time and do that because you, you know, it's, it's more of a people thing, right? You, you you know when you help somebody, whether it's that green tech or your boss, right? Um, eventually, it's going to come back to you later on down the road, and and that's one of the things I hated, especially when I was green, where I'd have I'd be in a shop with the Ford dealer with twelve techs there, and no one would lend me a hand. They were like, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. Right. I go to an independent yeah. shop that has three or four techs and, you know, that or maybe two techs at the time when I started, you know, but but they would drop what they were doing to help me. And and as I progressed, I would drop whatever I was doing, unless it was, you know, one of those weird situations where like, hold on, I can't stop this moment. Let me get this done and I'll <laughs> yeah. come over it. Right. You know, because that happens, whatever, whatever the case. Yeah, I will. I will stop and help. And, and to this day, I'm still that way, um, you know, because people did it for me. So I do it for people. And I, I, I think that, you know, a shop is going to hire somebody. They're, they're going to have deficiencies. Right. If, if you hired me today to work in your shop and you said, I need a BMW expert. I'm going to go, nope, that's not me, <laughs> right? I know a little bit and I could probably make it work, but I might need hand-holding from time to time to go, what the hell is a DME? 
Well, I know what a, <laughs> I know what a DME is, but uh, right. Yeah. How do I read that track diagram? Huh? <laughs> exactly. Right. And so there's going to be some handling and some help. And, you know, you were there. I was there. We as experienced technicians, whatever the case, should return the favor. And I think that shop owners, um, um, shop foremans, uh, other technicians, you know, they they should, you know, accept the fact that you know what you're you're getting old. If you're my age, I'll be fifty this year, okay. And if I was still in a shop turning a wrench, um, yeah, I might have ten more years in me before my fingers fell off and my knees didn't work anymore, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and but I got to pass that information on. Now, some of the information isn't going to make a big bit of difference, <laughs> right? Like throttle body fuel injection. <laughs> yeah, right. That, that, is, that isn't going to help anything. But, you know, the, the basic theory and stuff like that, you know, here's how you swing this hammer. Here, you swing the hammer so I don't have to hurt my hand. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. You always yeah. make the young guys do the heavy lifting. That, yeah, that is because, important. <laughs> because they don't care, right? Right. Like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. pull these duels off this truck. Yeah, I'll just done. <laughs> the best way to do is tell them they can't do it. Oh, you, I don't think you're yeah. strong enough to do that. And then they're like, "Well, I'll show you." <laughs> uh, yeah, well, try 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 that in a modern car. I I I bet you can't figure out this network problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that that's the thing is. I I've always felt like whatever I did for a job, which obviously was automotive, if it gave me enough to uh, live comfortably and pay my bills and buy a house, which it did, uh, I kind of owe it to give it back in some way. Right. Like uh, I'm not talking like I'm gonna go pay money to somebody, but I I owe it to what I did to give it back. That's kind of why I'm a teacher is to make sure that somebody else can get the same thing out of it. Right. And the only way that that works, if I pass on some knowledge and help them. And I just, I just always felt that that's the thing to do. If, if, if a trade, if an industry, a job, whatever career provides enough for you, let's make sure somebody else can do the same thing. Yeah, and, uh, and you and I probably aren't getting rich, okay? No, but 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 we enjoy we have we have a passion. Would that be a fair statement? You yes. have passion for what you do. Yep. I mean, you, do you enjoy the the challenge of going out and diagnosing these cars every day, and and once they're resolved, you're like, yeah, slam dunk, I nailed this car. That well, I do it. Figure out, right? Yep. Yep. You know, and 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 I I mean that's. I, I enjoy I enjoy working on cars. I enjoy yep. you know get getting the resolution, right? And I'll, I'll share that with people as well, right? So does it make me rich? No, I wish it did. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to change my career uh, because you know I enjoy this career, and that's a big important part of it. And actually, that kind of goes back full circle. We got these these young kids coming in. And if they enjoy it, the the and they get a, a job as a green technician, the shop owners shouldn't be turning them off. That's part of the problem. Oh god, yeah. Because Somebody who's passionate they, about might this? have been a great, yeah. They might have been a great technician. It, it give them give them two, three years, 
They might have been a great technician, but they get into the wrong place and yeah, they get turned off. And the next thing you know, they're a snap on guy, which one of my students did, or they're, you know, working for, you know, Amazon in the warehouse or yeah. you know, Target or, you know, you know, or, 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 you know, I got students that, that changed to like a media com or whatever, setting up um, a satellite or internet service and stuff. I'm like, that's not even working on cars. Like, yeah, whatever. It pays my bills. Yep. Like, yeah, but what did you like? You liked working on cars and you just got in the wrong place and the people didn't treat you right. Yeah. Sorry. Well, uh, that, was, that was my little vent there, my little no, rant. No, let me ask you this. If if tomorrow morning you woke up and you won the mega millions, right? It's like, I don't know what it's at right now. Let's say you won like $200 million. Would you completely leave the auto industry in every way nope right? you, you nope. you'd still you'd still be involved before I even finish the question nope right and, and i feel the same way right and maybe we're just nerds talk uh, you know talking <laughs> about this stuff but i i think maybe going back to an atec they need a little bit of that too right they need some passion yeah. in 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 this or whatever they do um because money's not the end all be all. You need a little something extra to keep right. you going every day. And since you got to do it every day, that should be something that you enjoy and you like. Yeah. And and, um, and again, that brings it back to, you know, the whole point of this conversation was we're, we're cranking out or you're, you're still doing it. I was doing it, uh, cranking out all these green quote unquote students, um, you know, and, and they get turned off. They get some, somebody steps on them. Right. They, they get in the wrong shop. They don't get the right experience. They don't get anyone helping them. They don't get anyone mentoring them, you know, and, and they get fed up and they have bills to pay. And it's better just to go to freaking McDonald's and flip a burger. Right. And make their 16 bucks an hour or what, what, whatever they're paying. Right. But yeah. that, that student might have had that passion that we were just talking about. They might have had that passion or that drive another good way to say it um but it, it got squashed because they didn't get into the the right environment yep right i mean i mean yeah. the the dealership there's a gm dealership uh in my area and i love going there um i do a lot of work for them. i actually just bought a truck from them a month ago um but uh, I know the owner really well because he participates on the advisory committee at the college. Um, and I think about half of the technicians, there's probably 12 techs in that shop. Half of the technicians are uh, my former graduates. So okay. when, I, when I walk in the back door, I walk in, not like I own the place, but I don't even worry about going in the front door. I just walk in the back. I just walk in and everyone's waving. Hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm like, hey, great, how are you, Marcus, blah, blah, blah. You know, Scott, how are you? Because, you know, there's this guy named Scott, too. And, you know, go, go through and talk to them all. And uh, it, it, it sucks in some respect because if I'm busy, I end up there for like an hour. just. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, talk, talk to every single one of them, you know, and, and it's great to see because a lot of those guys and, and, and a couple of girls, I'll tell you about the girl in just a minute. Her name was Allie. But um, they would start out while they were still in school in the oil change pit. And then 
they wouldn't get stuck there that long, which was good because I know some people get stuck in an oil change pit for a long time, but mm-hmm. they would get moved up to being a technician and, and so forth. So a lot of these, a lot of these people that are techs now that have been techs for sometimes five, six, seven years now, um, they started in that oil change pit at the dealership because they gave them the opportunity and they followed through and move, move them up. Right. And they were also super nice because uh, uh, not the only one, but the one I'm thinking of is her name was Allie. Um, She graduated uh, from our program with an associate's degree, but she wanted to go on to her bachelor's degree at Southern Illinois University uh, and and go more into like auto shop management or dealership management. So they, knowing that, they kept her on let her work in the oil change pit on weekends and afternoons and so forth until she had to leave to go to Southern. And then with, with a very nice goodbye said, thank you. Right. Cool. We're good. And she went off to school. And as far as I know, she's probably a senior this year. She's probably a senior this year. I'll have to check on her and see what's going on, but you know, that, that, that's the kind of environment and that's a dealership environment. That's the kind of environment that I like, that I like to see is like, you know, foster the growth, right? Don't just, yeah. oh yeah, we'll hire you and stick in the oil change pit and you're here for, you know, seven years. No, yeah, <laughs> that tech ain't going to stay, right? And they're not going to go anywhere or they're going to leave the industry. Yep. They're going to be, screw this, I'm out. Yeah, because at, at that level of pay, you can find something comparable where <laughs> you're not burning your arm on an exhaust manifold or getting right. hot oil all over you. Um, it, Cause you don't see a future, right? Especially because your perspective is so small when you're younger, right? You're looking at, Oh, I'm going to be doing this for three years. That's, you know, an eighth of my life at this point, there's no way I can do that waiting to move to the next level. Uh, so I've never liked that model, but what you were talking about with flat rate too, even if they do just put them on flat rate, that's looked at like a gift at Firestone. When I worked, that was a promotion for the entry-level tech to the technician. Oh, we're going to yeah. put you on flat rate next week. And they drowned because of all the things that we talked about earlier with the pitfalls and they don't have the experience. They don't have the proficiency. They're breaking bolts. And it was, it was another podcast I was listening to. I think it was David and Lucas this is a podcast. Yes. Yes. They, they, somebody phrased it in a way I'd never thought about before, but it's 100% correct that flat rate is a pay system for poor shop management, right? Because flat rate manages the shop. The person who's like managing or running the shop doesn't have to do anything, right? They just let flat rate handle it. Because Bush said that, uh, it it very well could have been. It might might have been Bush, but anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it probably was, but it's it's so. And I I worked flat rate for my entire technician career, and I never thought about it that way. I just thought I'm going to work as hard as I can because my paycheck on Friday is going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah. And when you had when you had a 30 hour day on Monday. That made your week great because you knew that everything Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, <laughs> you're like, bring it on. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. Because I, I was there too. Yep. Yeah. I, I get it. But that the, the, what should be the leader 
who has a very important role and a lot of responsibility and should have some certain characteristics doesn't necessarily have to if on a flat rate pay scale um because you just <laughs> you're you're just working towards that paycheck but it sucks for the young person just starting out um and right. that i know personally has scared a lot of people out of this industry early when they had some potential because you never know when somebody's going to bloom. And then that is one thing I'll tell you, I learned after I started teaching and I, you know, I talked with some of the other instructors and former students is, Hey, I like to think I can see potential in people. And I think I can at some points, but not all the time and not everybody. Sometimes it takes a lot of time in that right thing to click and then all of a sudden they take off and they shoot from here to here and mm-hmm. no one can predict when that's going to happen if they've got the passion for it even if you know it doesn't seem like maybe this is for them i want to help them i want to try to get them there and yeah like you said flat rate's not the way <laughs> to get that person there i don't think no no and and i i there's lots of discussions about how to pay and yeah. I don't think flat rates, the right way to do it. Um, I I've been there. I think a hybrid system is probably good. So for, for example, when, when I was the 14, 15 years, I was at that one independent shop. It was kind of a mix. So um, I had, I had a salary. Uh, I got the same pay every week. Um, and I, and they, they tracked my hours and I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 hours. Uh, if I booked over 35 hours, which I only think once booked less than that. Um, but whatever the case, then then it was like a bonus at the end of the week or the end of the month or whatever the case. And if it was over 50 hours, it was even more money, you know? So a lot of times I was in the 55 hour range, okay? That doesn't matter. I'm not trying to say I'm better or worse than anyone else. But uh, at the same time, I knew I was getting a paycheck. And, and if it was time to sweep a floor, I swept the floor. Or if somebody needed help, you know, I would drop what I was doing if I could. It was a good time, you know, and and go over and help them. Or if, you know, the phone rang and the service writer was already on the other line with another customer, I would answer the phone and, you know, hey, XYZ Auto Repair, uh, can you please hold for a second? You know, or or whatever the case, you know, it didn't, didn't matter. I was part of it. It was a small shop you know, part of everything. And I really didn't care because it wasn't, it wasn't book time or, or flat rate, right? If, mm-hmm. if I was flat rate, specifically solely flat rate, I might've had a different attitude. But since I knew I had benefits and I had a salary and you know what? So if I lose 15 minutes by helping this person out, I still have a paycheck this week. You yeah. know, and, and I would help them out and partially because people helped me out when, uh-huh. when I, I was, you know, up and up and running and running. And to, to this day, I still do it when I go to shops and I probably did it. I actually did it today on a 2011 uh, Ford Fiesta with a network issue um, it needs a PCM. It's corrupting the high speed CAN bus. And um, I had the technician there and the technician is, I don't even know how old he is. I'm 50. He's probably 65. I'm just taking a wild guess. Right. And we were talking about the car. I'm like, you know, the, the PCM is on this network. 
right? So there's there's a bunch of adults in the room, okay? You and I and whoever else in the room, and we're trying to talk to one another, but there's one screaming kid. And that screaming kid is screaming so loud that none of the other adults can talk. None of the other modules on the network can talk because that one damn screaming kid, right? <laughs> and that screaming kid just so happens to be the PCM. We disconnect the PCM and all these other modules can, can communicate again. We got the screaming kid out of the room. We smacked yeah. her upside the head or whatever. <laughs> <you> say, right? <laughs> Which, you know, I've got kids and I wouldn't do that, but, you know, I would just tell them, shut up. But, <laughs> but, you know, we got rid of the screaming kid. So uh, did I have to go through and do that explanation and show him the scope capture? No, I didn't. I could have said, here's what you need. Here's the bill call me back when you got the module because I'm going to have to come back and program and do the keys, you know, and whatever. But no, I, I, I take the time. If the technician is willing to listen, I'll take the time and share some information with them. And does it cost me 15, 20 minutes? Sometimes yes. But, mm -hmm. you know, somebody help me. I, I'm going to, people that want the help, I'm, I'm going to give them the help whenever I can. You know, yeah. if I'm super busy, I might say, sorry, I'll talk to you about this later, <laughs> off to the next car. But for the most part, yeah, I'll I'll take five or 10 minutes to explain something if I have to. <sighs> yeah. I, and I, you're right with a hybrid because there's got to be some incentive, right? You know, because if you're strictly hourly, you're not going to take that one last job, you know, when you got, you know, 15 minutes to go. Oh, okay. I could bang out that wheel bearing, or I could just go home. Well, I'm going to get paid the same anyways, or I'm going to get a little extra. So I get it because it is a business. They got bills to pay. They got numbers to hit. So there definitely should be some incentive, but there's got to be, and I'm sure there is plenty of models out there. I don't run a business. I don't know this stuff um, to, to make this, to make this work and more attractive for younger people to enter, enter the industry. But yeah, if you're out there listening to this and you're on a purely flat rate system, yeah, maybe you can go shopping around and see who else in your town maybe does offer something like that or suggest it to your employer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The bone, I mean, when I was younger um, and green, right. The motivation was, you know, granted I did get salary. Um, but the bonus based on, you know, hours over 35, I think is what it was 35. Right. So yeah, I'd be like, if, if it was 15 minutes for the end of the day and when you do a sway bar link or something on that 1992 Ford Taurus or you yeah. know, whatever it was. Right. Uh, I'm like, I'll take it. Let's do it. Let's knock it out. Let's get it done. You know, yep. Boom, done, done, done. You know, there were times that I would come in. I remember, uh, uh, coming in early to pull an engine out of a, a Chevy van. And when I say Chevy van, this was pre-Express. <laughs> so probably, you know, 94-ish, <laughs> something, something like that. And uh, I remember coming in early just to get a head start on the day and pull that engine out, um, staying late, you know, it's, it's, especially when things get moving. You know, you get in yeah. the zone and especially if you're passionate about it, you're enjoying doing it. My hands are dirty and I might be bleeding, but 
You know, like, hey, cool, we're rocking. Holy cow, this job, this Chrysler evaporator in this caravan pays six what? And <laughs> I'm done in two and a half hours. Yep. I'll take yep. one of those every freaking day. You, you know, when you go over to your toolbox, <laughs> sorry, we're going off subject here. You know, when you go over to your toolbox with your cart and you pull out all the tools you need for the job and then roll the cart over to the car and you don't have to go back to your toolbox because you got every eight millimeter socket and <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. That's, that's yep. exactly it. Uh, you get, you get so proficient. At the, you you know how to spot the jobs too, right? For me, when I'd go up and look at the tickets and, you know, maybe I'm looking at like a Toyota Corolla. Okay. It's got an inspection on it. Those Toyotas don't ever need anything. Right. And then I've got a GMC Envoy. Okay. This one's getting pulled in. Stuff's <laughs> leaking. Ball joints are loose. Oh, right? It's going to need sway bars. I, and so I'd grab that ticket because I know I'm going to find stuff broke on that car or the, the Toyota or the Honda is just going to keep on going, you know, yeah. and it's just little stuff like that, that you learn, you game the system, right? That That's what it is. <laughs> Flat rate, you game it. Uh, but that's, that's, that's how it's built, right? <laughs> what do you do? I want a good paycheck. <laughs> every car, every car breaks somehow, mm-hmm. and if you know how they break, uh, or at least the and I hate to be a pattern failure guy, but you know that 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 caravan that comes in with a thumping noise around turns, it's sway bar links or sway bar link bushings. Yep. Right? It's one or the other, and all you got to do is rock the thing. <laughs> you go, yep, these sway bar bushings. You know, uh, you're, you're gonna not gonna. And, and I'm dating myself a little bit. I'm talking like 1998, 1999, 2000. You know, caravans, oh. town and countries. Oh, I know because they don't exist anymore. But <laughs> they only put. They did that until like the 2000s. They only put the one bolt on the bracket that went over the sway bar, and then it hooked in the frame yep. so as soon as that pushing got loose it sounded like your front end was falling apart yep. when you're driving those things and all you had all you had to do was push on the side of the vehicle rock it back and forth and you could repeat the sound and go yep look underneath that sway bar is going thump 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 inside the bushing yep i remember those days i'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what suspension noises that is almost a world unto its own and a skill unto its own to figure out. I, I think I've had just as much a challenging as time finding weird suspension noises as I had any like crazy network or drivability issue. Sometimes those just kick your ass <laughs> trying to track upper, down that stupid noise. Upper strut mount bushings that bind and the, and the coil spring will 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 bind a little bit and then pop and bind. Pop. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I rode around in the trunk of a car one time to try to figure <laughs> out the car. I got the GS. I was like, all right, you're gonna hop in, drive it. I'm gonna get in the trunk. We're gonna figure out where this noise is coming from. <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. I've been underneath the hood of a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, driving, well, not down the street, but driving around the parking lot. Sure. <laughs> but, okay, what the heck is going on here? All right, drive around the parking lot. Please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. But I mean, the, the you know, the more advanced stuff is no different. Right. You know, the, the network stuff. I mean, 
try something, plug, plug this module in, disconnect that module, do whatever, you know, hook up all your tools and you get kind of lost and you find yourself doing stupid stuff like climbing in a trunk. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, <laughs> I've been in the trunk for a network diagnosis as well, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, but you, you, you end up getting there. It's, it's, did, did you get to the end result? That, that's right. the important part. And, and did you enjoy doing it? Maybe I didn't enjoy being upside down underneath the dashboard for that long. <laughs> but by the time the car was fixed, I did enjoy it because number one, I got paid, but, but uh, number two, it's fixed. Most importantly, you know, there's, there's that sense of accomplishment or satisfaction. Yep. You, know? you, you get, you got the, you got that victory. You got that, that win. Yeah. Um, that's, it's something that our job offers that not every single other career path offers. Some do, some don't, um, but it's definitely one here. You can get a sense of satisfaction at the end of the day, um, almost every day that uh, you, you can't find everywhere else. I don't yeah, think. I couldn't, I couldn't be an architect that's designing a building where it takes six, eight, 12 months to design one project. I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. I could, I, that's, I couldn't do it. I, I, even some body shops, all right, let's keep it automotive related. If it takes two days to fix this body repair and do the paint and all that stuff, two, two days is too long for me. Um, you know, I, I like, especially when I was at the shop, I liked having, you know, three to eight, depending on the day, cars a day and going, it came and broke, it's fixed. Can't broke, it's fixed. It's that sense yeah. of satisfaction every single time. And maybe that's just me being impatient. But, you know, if I had to wait six months for that one sense of, hey, my building is done, my building design is done. No, yeah. no, can't, can't do it. It's, it's all right. AC works. Okay, cool. Check engine lights off. Cool. You know, <laughs> cats yep. are played. Great. Brakes are done. Great. You know, it's, that's that sense of satisfaction multiple times in a day. And, and, and I guess going back to this whole conversation is the green people coming in. It's like, if they have that attitude, that's good because that's what they're, they're getting into. We just need the shop owners to participate. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to let them experience that at some level and, and, and build them up. You know, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you're an experienced technician, help out that person, you know, give them a hand and help them through yes. um, and encourage your uh, supervisor, store owner, whatever to do the same, like give them a chance, just mm-hmm. give them a chance. If, if, if they're showing up and like Matt Fonzel so, said, if they can find the shop every day on time, <laughs> find really shop on time right? That was great. <laughs> <laughs> if they can do that and they, they have that passion, I think you can spot that in most people. Just give them a chance. Let, you know, let, let them work through it and figure it out and they're going to mess stuff up, but let them do that and help them through it. Yeah. Uh, Cause we need those people. Yeah. And, and, Again, this whole thing started out with the quote unquote tech shortage. I, I, I think that uh, if people did what we we're talking about and what you just said, you know, um, give them a break, mentor them, you know, groom them, um, things of that nature. He or she, it doesn't doesn't matter. Um, you know, they, they will be your next technician. 
You know, let's stop driving the youth out of this industry that might have a passion for it, but we're turning them off. I don't know. Does that make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. Right? I mean, if, if you, if you take someone that has passion for the industry and they are, they're super green, let's say they're 20 years old. They just got their associate's degree. They get into a shop and that shop environment is crap and they end up leaving the industry. Whose fault is it? It's the shop's fault. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the technician's fault because they had a passion. They wanted to learn. They, they just weren't given the opportunity to, to grow or to, to continue. So let's, let's not be shop owners, managers, whatever the case that, uh, that, that shut those uh, entry level, we'll say entry level people down and then turn around and bitch about a technician shortage. Right. <laughs> right. And then that's, that's kind of where I was going. It's like, you, you're, you're, you're kicking people out because they're not good enough for you, but you're not giving them the effort. And then you're complaining about there's no technicians out there. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Stop asking me for text. Then. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's it. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. So I think Any that's other questions a, for me. Anything else you want to talk about? Any crazy, goofy problems? Um. Oh, okay. I was actually talking to Fonslo about this today. Oh, he, he probably said, gave me the answer because he knows well, everything. Well, he, no, he's like, yeah, I've seen that before. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I had an O2 sensor. It was a narrow band O2 sensor that reversed polarity when it got hot. Okay. So I was watching it as switching, you know, 0.2 to 0.7, somewhere in that neighborhood and looking huh? pretty good. Um, and then when this thing would start to run like crap, it would go. And I was watching, I was, I was using my U scope. I was looking at it. It went mm-hmm. to a negative seven and I didn't change my leads. I didn't touch anything. I was using battery ground at the time, but I tried sensor ground too. And it went from switching to negative seven. I'm like, okay, what's the deal? So I hooked up my voltmeter. I was just like, I want to make sure it's not an equipment fault. Cause that just right. seemed very strange to me. Got to make sure the tool works. Yeah. So I have my meter and my scope hooked up, same circuit, same thing, negative seven. I'm like, oh, that's, I, I was like, I, I was really scratching my head. I'm like, wait a second. How's that happen? Positive voltage, negative. I was like, what would I have to have? to have a negative voltage read, I was like, the only thing is the polarity would reverse. Like that's, that's the only thing. Cause I'm using battery ground for this test. I was like, the only way this could happen is if the polarity of the sensor reverse. So I was messing around with the circuit and I went to the sensor and I unplugged the sensor. Like, you know, you got the little short harness off the sensor and the plug. I was going to ask if you unplugged it, it didn't change when you unplugged it. It, it did not change the polarity, right? right? So I looked at the wires going into the sensor and the black on the sensor was the signal, which is pretty common on your traditional, I think, Bosch style O2. Yeah, black, is black, the, white, and gray, right? Yeah. The two whites were the heater. The black was the signal and the gray was the ground. for the. So gray and black are my sensor side and the... The gray, which should be my ground, had a positive 
voltage and the black had a negative voltage. And I checked the harness and those were connected to basically it should have been flipped. And I, I was thinking, well, maybe the sensors flipped, but when I started it up cold, it was reading correctly. And I actually took a video of it switching from positive to negative voltage. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I told the shop to put a sensor in it, but I just was thought that was very strange that it could do that. I don't even understand how it happened, but <laughs> and, and, and what did uh, a Dr. Matt say? It needs a sensor. He's, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, they do that. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't se- I haven't seen that that particular case before, but I've seen the ceramic element crack where uh, under heavy load the ceramic expands and then it runs lean. But you can never get it to act up in the shop. You have to go hammer the uh, car okay, to, get, to okay. get it to run lean, and you got rich codes, and you know, or I'm sorry, lean codes, and gotcha. codes, and so forth. But I haven't seen the polarity flop. But thanks for sharing. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this. It was on a '95 F150, so <laughs> <laughs> I like too many people to worry about that. <laughs> Ironically, the cracked O2 sensor example I just gave you was a 95, a 95 uh, Camaro or Firebird, Firebird, 95 Firebird. Okay. <laughs> We're old guys. Yeah. Well, uh, they, they called me the shop and I, I was looking, I was like, holy crap. I was like, my first truck was a 94, 95 F-150. I was like, this one's taking me back a little ways, but you know, some of the stuff really hasn't changed that much. But you know what? That's not an oxygen sensor. That's a HEGO. Is it? Uh, oh, is that with four calls on? Oxygen. That's what they called okay. it back then, right? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> it's not an HO2S1. Then they went to the UGO, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you talking about the UGO? Y-U-G-O, the car that was built in Yugoslavia? <laughs> that, that, that UGO? <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> okay that is gonna do it for today's episode another big thank you to scott for sitting down with me and having this chat i enjoyed it quite a bit got something out of it hopefully you did as well and want to say thank you to everybody for listening but other than that let's get out there start fixing the world one car at a time